Welcome to another edition of the Fly the W670 podcast. I am Dustin Rhodes, executive producer of the Mully and Haw Show. Guys are live 530 to 10 on 670 The Score. Of course, your radio home for Cubs baseball. This is season one, episode number 33. We're calling this one Sweet Revenge. I welcome my buddy Crowley into the conversation. Crowley, how the heck are you? I know I'm doing better than Timmy Trumpet, that's for sure. You can follow <laughs> you can follow me at Crawley's Cubs, or you can follow us at Fly the W670 on Instagram and Twitter, and you can find us at Fly the W on Facebook and Fly the W670 at gmail.com if you want to drop us a line. That's our email. Segment one, we're calling it the Wrigley Recap. We're going to bring you the scores and news that have happened over the last few days since we last talked to you on the podcast. And first up, Crowley, the Cubs were taking on the Mets in Flushing Meadows, New York, game one. Javier Assad versus Chris Bassett. Yeah, you know, Bassett was 13-7 and this year. He didn't get the headlines, obviously, that DeGrom or Scherzer does, but he's had a good year. And the Cubs counter with Javier Assad and, you know, didn't look good, but, you know, as far as the odds are concerned and Javier Assad, you know, for bottom of the first, the Mets load the bases, but he strikes out Mark Karn to end the threat. Top of the second, Rafael Ortega homers. The Cubs are up one nothing. Top of the third, Zach McKinstry homers and Rebus is along with the, for the ride. The Cubs lead three to nothing. A leadoff walk by Wisdom gets to second on an air, then scores on an Ortega single, and the Cubs are up four nothing. Ortega would come around on a Rebus single. Cubs have a 5-0 lead. So bottom of the fourth, Javier Assad gives up three singles. Um, Mark Karna scores to make it 5-1. Bottom of the sixth, Assad gives up a two-out triple to Eduardo Escobar, poorly played by Ortega, but he gets Tyler Naquin to strike out to end the threat. And in the bottom of the eighth, Mark Leiter gives up a leadoff single. Manrod replaces him. He gives up a single to Alonzo and Vogelbach walks. Bases loaded, no outs. Manrod strikes out Mark Karna. Brandon Hughes comes into the game and gets Ortega to fly out to shallow center and gets pinch hitter Darren Ruff to line out to right. Bases loaded, no outs. Mets do not score. Bottom of the ninth, Lindor does homer, homer, but that's it. The Cubs are going to win this one 5-2. And for Assad, he gave up, went six innings, gave up five hits, one run, three walks, six Ks. Hughes with a five-out save. Offense scored five runs on seven hits, three left on base, two for five with runners in scoring position. McKinstry and Suzuki, two for four. Ortega, two for three. For the Mets, Bassett only went 3.2. He gave up five hits, two runs, two walks, two Ks. Mets had two runs on eight hits, 10 left on base, and one for nine with runners in scoring position. Lindor and Escobar, two for four. But it's what I talked to you about on the last episode, Dustin, is that, you know, when you're in a pennant chase, everything gets amplified, every at bat, every missed opportunity. And, 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 and it's, I said, if I, if they, if Assad could win that first game somehow, all of a sudden it puts a little bit more pressure on the Mets who hear the Braves behind them. Yeah, they were playing awfully tight, Crowley. The other thing I loved about this, this was the second uh, Brandon Hughes um, four or five out saves over the last couple of days. So it's interesting to see him do that earlier in the week. I was not too thrilled with him, but as the week has gone on, I've gotten to be a fan of his again as the roller coaster with me and this Cubs bullpen continues. Well, Brandon Hughes has looked out of all the young bullpen arms to me, he's looked like one of the best and it's hard to believe that he's a, you know, converted outfielder. Uh, you just, just a, a crazy story. A, one of the really good feel good stories of the year. Absolutely. And, and Absolutely. So, what a great yeah. story. What a great story he is. Yep. 
you're taking a look then, and, and this is the one we laughed about. You, you know, Adrian Sampson, Mr. <laughs> number five pitcher versus probably the best pitcher on the planet in Jake DeGrom. And it is a stunner, Dustin, because you know when Jacob DeGrom is on the mound, those Mets fans go nuts every strikeout, every everything. But in the top of the second, Ian Happ puts a monster homer on the second deck, and the Cubs take a one nothing lead. Then in the top of the fourth, Franmil Reyes singles to right, Ian singles to left. Uh, Rafael Ortega, unfortunately, is hurt on a bunt attempt. He gets hit in the hand. He's done for the season. Aramosillo replaces him with two strikes. He gets a sack bunt down, and there's a throwing error by McCann. Everybody's safe. Jan Gomes sack fly makes it 2 nothing Cubs. Wisdom gets a bunt single of all people. Half scores. <laughs> Cubs up 3 nothing. Top of the seventh, David Bodie solo home run. Cubs up 4 nothing. Bottom of the ninth, Pete Alonzo. The, the Mets were the king of some of these garbage runs at the end. Solo home run. That's it. Cubs 4, Mets 1. Samson, six, point, six innings pitch, two hits, zero runs, four walks, three Ks. Brandon Hughes, five out save. There we Offense, go. four runs on nine hits, six left on base, two for nine with runners in scoring position. Hap, two for four with the homer. Bodie homers. Mr. Unbeatable, Jake DeGrom, six innings pitch, five hits, three runs, zero walk, 10 Ks. But the Mets offense had one run on four hits, six left on base, 0 for 3 with runnings and runners in scoring position. Fact, Dustin, this was the biggest upset if you are a gambler in baseball in three years. Yeah, I think uh, I think DeGrom was like a minus 295 or maybe even 300 favorite. The other thing, Crowley, that I loved about this game was Adrian Sampson not taking any crap off Pete Alonzo. Um, Pete Alonzo hit a long, 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 long uh, foul ball just left, and then uh, Sampson didn't give him anything to hit after that, and he started running his lips, so Sampson went right back down his throat. I love that from the kid. Yeah, I showed a little bit of moxie. I mean, you're, you're, you're playing on the big stage in New York, and, and again, this, this Mets crowd was fired up. But again, it, it, it's I loved it. I love being on the other side of it. It feels so much better than being on the so wrong much side better. of it. Feels so much better, Crowley. <laughs> Getting to be the spoilers. So, so game number three, last night, Wednesday night, Drew Smiley, David Peterson. This is the game I felt confident about. Remember I said the Cubs yep. one for three. This is the one I said, yep. Drew Smiley versus TBD. Drew Smiley's been doing great. And sure enough, David Peterson comes out for the Mets. He walks the first three batters, loads the bases, Wisdom strikes out, but then Gomes, Higgins, and Aramosillo all double. Nelson Velasquez adds a single just for fun, and the Cubs are up 6 nothing before Smiley's even thrown a pitch. Unbelievable. Absolutely. Un I could not believe the first three guys back, and Crowley. They, they all walked with two straight counts. It, it is absolutely. It was just, again, the pressure. It's, it's a different ball game, man, and the Bottom of the third, Thomas Nito homers off Drew Smiley. Cubs lead 6-1. They score an unearned run in the bottom of the fifth. Brandon Nimmo reached on an air by Wisdom, and, it's, and es Eduardo Escobar scores. So uh, the, the uh, Cubs are up 6-2, and then Pete Alonso in the bottom of the eighth decided to add another one. So that'll make it 6-3. I wanted your opinion on this, Dustin, because ninth inning of the game yesterday, mm -hmm. Seiya Suzuki is hit in the hand by former Cub of all people, Michael Gibbons, who they traded the trade deadline. But in the bottom of the ninth, Mark Leiter comes into the game, okay? It's a 6-3 game, so it's not, you know, that out of hand. He hits Jeff McNeil with a pitch. 
And Eduardo Escobar drills one that Miguel Hermosillo, Michael Hermosillo, who's back, makes a great catch, saving extra bases. Smart move, though? Well, I think it's fine because at this point, it kind of goes back to what I said about game number two, right? Adrian Sampson not taking any crap off no one. Listen, I mean, what, was it smart that they hit say in the hand? If that's what they were trying to do, were they so ticked off and so upset that they decided to hit him in the hand? So don't take no crap off no one. I'm fine with it. I am absolutely positively fine with it. You, obviously you're not. I just, uh, boy, you know, <laughs> I, I, it's, I, I get it. I get, I get the purpose of it. I don't know if given. I don't know if hidden say it was on purpose or not. I, it was, you know, it, and I don't know. I'm, I'm try I was just so excited to see if they could possibly sweep. I was so jacked up, and I'm like, oh man, if you let these guys come back, you just don't want to let them have. You don't you know? Don't poke the bear. You know what I mean? You are putting a whooping on them. Don't do anything to give them any kind of energy. I know it doesn't mean anything or it doesn't matter. If I thought it was intentional on Saya, I would have been all for it. I didn't think it was. Um, so that's kind of where I land on it. All right. I get it. I see both sides of it. No doubt about that. But all I got to say, Dustin, is Smiley again. He, you know, not as great as his other starts. Five innings pitched. So, you know, he was up to about 70-something pitches. I, I was kind of surprised about that. Five innings pitched, four hits, two runs, one earned, one walk, five Ks. The offense had six runs on only seven hits. They went four for nine with runners in scoring position, and most of that damage happened in the first inning. Higgins two for three, Velasquez two for four. But absolutely, all I could think about this entire time was sweet revenge. Absolutely and that's 1969. Sweet revenge. 1969, Cubs blew an eight game lead on August the 19th. They lost the division by eight games. That's a 16 game swing, Dustin. 2004, the Cubs are playing the, the, the pitiful Mets right after they just took uh, three from Pittsburgh, and they absolutely, they had a one-and-a-half game lead in the wild card, and they ended up blowing the next two games. And then in 2015, my beloved Cubs, when they were finally starting to break through, and the Mets sweep them with Daniel Murphy going off and uh, four games and ending the Cubs' magical 2015 season. And more than anything, and what about Ron Santos' toupee, damaging Ron Santos' toupee? <laughs> it got burned in that damn shit. Yeah, it's stadium. on fire. Yeah, it's on fire. <laughs> but I will tell you this, Dustin, the thing that really chips my hide because it's fresh is they thought that they were just going to screw the Cubs in the 2020 trade deadline deal. Everybody knew that the Padres and the Mets were the best lined up suitors for a big trade. When I'm talking big trade, I'm talking David Robertson in the bullpen, I'm talking Wilson Contreras, and I'm talking Ian Happ. And the Mets didn't want to do it because of what happened last year with the Javier Baez for, and, uh, and Trevor Williams for PCA. And you know what? When you are a team in first place and you don't go for it, what does that tell your team? Are you happy now that you got Darren Ruff instead of Ian Happ? Darren Ruff, who's not even hitting his weight? Congratulations. Great move on that one, Mets. So you know what? You screwed the Cubs, but you also screwed yourself. Screwed so now yourselves, you, you, yeah. You, you reap what you sow. You reap yeah. what you sow, New York. Yeah, sweet revenge. It's exactly right, Crowley. Sweet revenge. So, I don't know, Crowley, am I a bad Cubs fan when I said that the Mets were going to sweep the Cubs? You called one out of three. You were absolutely right about the game that you felt most confident in. But I called for the sweep of the Cubs by the Mets, and it actually went the other way, and it absolutely floored me. Yeah, they're the only team that swept the Mets this whole season. And Unbelievable. So Unbelievable. <laughs> 
again though you know i brought up the 2004 cubs and i distinctly all of a sudden remember latroy hawkins just you know giving up long balls and you just kent merker was another one that just absolutely it's just different man when all of a sudden i was looking i went and i looked back to some of those 2004 box scores and the cubs had such an easy walk and and when they lost those two out of three against the mets the next series was against the lowly cincinnati reds they lost three out of four there and i think they lost two out of three versus the um versus the braves to end the 2004 season and that's it man so you know we've all been there we've all seen our teams go through it when all of a sudden you get tight and it falls apart and that's you know, luckily for the Mets, the Braves all of a sudden went from hot to not. So the Cubs gave this to the, the Braves on a platter, and the Braves really couldn't take advantage of it. But the right. Mets have brought, really got to be reeling right now. Yeah, Mets only a half game in front of the Braves right now over in the NL East. Obviously, the Cubs, Crowley, aren't going to the postseason this year at the big league level, but minor league playoffs are underway, both Myrtle Beach and South Bend in those postseasons. And, and anyone that's listened to the Fly the WB podcast, you know that we've had um, tons of guys, the, both the announcers from Myrtle Beach and South Bend. We've had tons of players, some that went started Myrtle Beach and ended up in South Bend, some that are still in Myrtle Beach, and some that are now in South Bend, that were in South Bend all year. And these are two phenomenal teams that if you have the opportunity, you can go online and watch these and stream these. Um, Myrtle Beach, unfortunately, did not win their first game, so they're down right now 1-0. But the South Bend Cubs, they were down one nothing. They had their best pitcher in Devers, Luis Devers, pitching, and you know they gave up a first run. He gave up a first run home run, and then no scoring till the bottom of the eighth, and they make a comeback and they win two to one. It was just, just like that within six outs. You know, with you know three outs left, but like you know you're in the bottom of the eighth. You only have to get six more outs, and just like that they hit. They get two runs, and then in the top, they, the, the relievers close it out. And next thing you know, the, the South Bend's up one nothing. So it's a team that does not quit. Report for Buster Olney on the four-letter network, and uh, he's reporting that the Cubs might indeed keep Wilson Contreras around. The other report on the Wilson Contreras front is he might be activated tomorrow when the uh, Cubs welcome in the Rockies. Yeah, he's had that ankle injury. I mean, I was shocked. I was at the Field of Dreams games where, where he kind of twisted it. I couldn't believe he still played the game, and it clearly was bothering him, so he's had some time off. But uh, the article by Buster Olney um, is something that we've talked about because of the qualifying offer. This was something that they tried negotiating past after they redid the CBA. There was a deadline um, in, involving the international free agency, and the qualifying offer was part of that. And um, the they didn't come to an agreement, so the qualifying offer stands. So what happens then is that if the Cubs um, put an offer to Wilson, and it doesn't have to be a great offer, then all of a sudden the, any team that signs him would have to give the Cubs a draft pick back. And so at that point, you're not just signing Wilson for pure money. You, you know, you're going to have to give the, up, up a draft pick on that. And so that may hurt Wilson in free agency, so the Cubs, it puts them in a position where they may be able to get Wilson for a much better than market value deal on him. Absolutely. Well, fingers crossed. I'd like to have him back. I'd hate to have his last memories be this one as a Chicago Cub. How about uh, David Kaplan, who's all over this rumor about Trey Turner and Carlos Rodon? Supposedly both guys want to be Cubs. We've talked about Rodon and, and Rodon like Chicago and, and Dustin, you and I are kind of, you know, a little nervous just based on the injury history, but Trey Turner is a guy that absolutely excites me 
because of what he can do. I mean, he, he just like he's the definition of a five tool player, man. He can just do everything, uh, you know, speedy guy at the top of the lineup. Um, you, you know, he, he doesn't have a ton of pop, but, you know, he can still hit him out. Uh, great defense. I mean, he may be, uh, you know, when you talk about Bogarts and you talk about, you know, uh, some uh, Devers and a couple other guys, you know, he's the one that really kind of excites me the most personally. The only thing, my only hesitation with him is the lack of pop. I, I, I know the Cubs want to get more balls up in the air and get more balls out of Wrigley Field. So I think if you're going to focus in on one offensive player in the offseason, they need to bring a little bit of pop with them because there's enough guys on this team that will be part of the team next year that don't offer enough pop. So a couple things to kind of think about here, and that has to do with kind of the new rule changes. When you have the new rule changes, right, it, it may expose certain guys as being not as good defensively, okay? So right now, you can be a mediocre defender, and if you get positioned right and you're in the shifts right and you got a good analytics department, well, then you're, you, you can kind of cover some of that up. If the rules now say you have to stay two, two infielders on each side of the bag, well, it may show some guys that are not as good defensively. I'm, I'm kind of looking specifically at uh, Nick Magical, you know, as a guy that, no, I'm, I'm being in all, in all honesty, I, I, I wonder if some of these guys have benefited from not having to make, and, and this is part of the reason they're doing this uh, no shift, is they want to see more athletic plays and more balls in play. Right. And so, you know, if you're telling me you can put uh, Trey Turner at short and then Nico at second, that interests me. The other thing to keep in mind with the new rule bases, two inches on each base added. So an extra four inches. You got a guy like Trey Turner and he can all of a sudden take off. That's why, you know, the question is how much pop can Nico add to his game? Right. Um, and another question that you ask is, is, is right now the Cubs have one of the hottest hitters in all the minor leagues, he's going for the home run title potentially in Matt Mervis. And so Matt Mervis right now is sitting at AAA. He's with the Iowa Cubs. And, you know, if he's a guy that does, it's, it's really hard to put that on a rookie. I 100% get that. And I hope that Fran Mil Reyes can kind of come back next year and do something. Um, if you have Wilson Contreras still, uh, you know, like we talked about, that's some pop right there. And so, you know, and even if you keep Patrick Wisdom at third, that's some pop right there. Um, Do you think Matt Mervis, Crowley, could Matt Mervis be the opening day first baseman next year for the Cubs? You know what? Go ahead and doubt Matt Mervis at your own risk. All he's done is prove everybody that he, he absolutely has belonged. He's dominated at every level of the minor league ball that he's at. So, I mean, like I said, it's hard. You know, if you're going to tell me he's batting three or four, I would be nervous. But if you tell me you got uh, you got Matt Mervis batting five or six, uh, I'm kind of more interested in that. You know, if you got Wilson at third and then you got um, Reyes at fourth and then maybe, you know, Wisdom at five, Mervis at six, I think that you have a lot of mash potential right there. 